0: Having funlessness. Having funlessness. Having funlessness. With Jen Kirkland. Having funlessness with Jen. Kirkman episode 334 what is this this is a podcast hosted by comedian Jen Kirkman I don't even know why I'm saying hosted there's no one else on it except me it is a solo monologue podcast it is completely improvised or you know like a conversation off the top of your head I may have some ideas I want to talk about but it's really just a one-sided conversation been doing this podcast for seven years so that people can know all the things I like to talk about that don't really fit into stand-up jokes neatly you may have seen my comedy specials. I'm gonna die alone and I feel fine or just keep living. And uh, this is not that. This is its own thing. It's a podcast. I think by now in history, we know what podcasts are, but you never know. Anyway, I also have a Patreon account. If you would like to subscribe, you can do so for only $5 a month. That gets you the video feed of this podcast that you can't see anywhere else and a bonus 20 minute episode per month. $10 level. You get two more bonus episodes a month. One of them is an hour long. Plus everything in the first level, we keep going from there, 15, 20, 25. In the upper levels, you get into getting some merch, whether it's a sticker or a mug or a t-shirt or a poster. And it's all exclusive merch that you have not seen anywhere else. It was designed for Patreon. So this is literally my job for the foreseeable future. So if even 300 people at the $5 to $10 level joined, I'd be not, I'd be fine. That'd be great. Just a little extra cash. I wouldn't even have to, I mean, listen, ideally if y'all, if 10,000 people join a meet site, I have a friend who has 6,000 a month following. I only have like 250. So, you know, listen, we keep building. I know times are tight for people financially. I have a weird fan base where they think I'm rich and they don't like to pay for things because they think I'm all set. Um, and that's annoying. I have other friends who are, whose fans are like, we want you to get richer because we love what you do. Um, I need those people that are in my audience. If you are that type, please join my Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. Well, I think we've scared off all new listeners. What are we going to talk about this week? <clears throat> oh, I don't know. Looking up... Celebrity stories from 30 years ago, just to go back into the past, playing music. Madonna has the antibodies to Corona. My former obsession with Hawaii as a kid. I might have a book recommendation or a movie recommendation for you. I get scared when things get lost and spontaneous combustion. What is it? Why did we used to be so obsessed with it? And I'll have an article for you about how comparison culture in lockdown is actually worse. Wow, I don't feel that way. I'm like, I know that the people whose careers I envy, who are playing 10,000 seat theaters, can't do it right now. So I ain't comparing shit. I, now when we get back out there, they'll probably go back to 10,000 seat theaters. But for now, I don't have to see it. So for me, I'm like, this is great. But, um, okay, so how do we begin? How do we begin? What do I even want to talk about? Well, I don't know. I feel overwhelmed, like I I don't have any time for anything. I don't know how I still manage to feel that way. It's because I have, I like to do one hour walk a day, one hour ballet a day. I'm cooking now. Not that I didn't cook before, but not every day like this. And I do elaborate cleanups. I have, that's the other thing. You might have dinner on the books with a friend and you might see people, but now it's 10 calls a couple calls a day, 10 calls. It was so many calls. I'm just trying to get some me time, maybe watch some TV, read a book. But I still have to like run my podcast and do some writing so that I can try to get writing jobs and, uh, you know, all your other personal stuff, your budget, your this, your that. It, the days are flying. I've been in quarantine for 50 days. I honestly can tell you it doesn't feel like it. And I'm, maybe I'm grateful that I have that kind of more OCD or anxious mind where I'm always feeling overwhelmed. If I have nothing to do, it's, it's what I strive for, but maybe I always need to have things to do so that I can complain and strive for nothing to do because the striving is what's making me happy and I don't realize it. There's probably something to that, but I, I would like to make that change. Make that change. Going to hear so I don't know. I feel like, uh, where do we begin? Well, I really don't know. I, I feel like I had written down more ideas, but I'm I'm just kind of staring at this going, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> oh, okay. I wrote down Kate Hudson's story and I could not figure that out for the longest time. And then I just remembered it. So... My niece was sending me a DM on Instagram, sliding into my DMs. We're a really weird, creepy family. And she was saying she loves Kate Hudson and has since almost famous. And I'm a big fan of Kate Hudson's Fabletics athleisure workout clothes clothing company. It's all reasonably priced, they're not even a sponsor. But you can become a member, and then if you don't want to have your card charged that month, they send you an email, and they're like, click here to skip it, and you skip it. Um, Well, it does end up going into your account there. So, you know, I'll do a thing where, like, I'll pause. I'll put my membership on hold for, like, a year. But anyway, so – but my niece was enjoying her for some other reason because she was doing something with her family on Instagram. And I thought, I want one of those – kind of quarantines. You know, a lot of people think because you're single that you really feel sad that you don't have a relationship in quarantine. Now, what I'm going to say about that is it's not that I need a relationship in quarantine to make quarantine feel better. It's that being in quarantine makes me go, huh? Yeah. So I was kind of getting back out there and, you know, I've had plenty of serious relationships so I guess if I never get another one you know I'm luckier than most but I don't want casual thing I I I am willing and ready for a real relationship but there's a but 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 it's got to be some so spectacular in the sense that I can't be told what to do if that makes sense I can't um I have to be able to travel alone if I want to. I have to, you know, whatever. I'm not really worried about any of that. But even just saying that, I was talking to my therapist, is too vulnerable for me to say on the podcast because men just do not know how to react. And I know some men listen and go, not me. And then they'll write me and go, I'm sorry other men do that. You're doing the thing. Just you don't have to react. The react, I don't, I ask you guys questions and you can use the email address, iseemfun at gmail.com if you have questions or topics you want me to talk about on the podcast, but it was never intended for people to personally console me or say, um, I can't believe you're single. Like a lot of men will say, I can't believe you're single as though, as though I haven't been chosen. And you know, there is part of that. There's sometimes there are times in my life when I like someone, they don't like me back and I'm like, what? So in that sense, I'm not getting chosen in that moment. I can't believe it either. But whenever men are like, you're so beautiful, why are you single? It's like all all kinds of people are single. Beautiful, ugly, all kinds of people in relationships. Beautiful, ugly. And, you know, again, uh, that's not – it's not that men are walking around repulsed by me. It's that I I want what I want and I'm not – you know, it's a – there's a small bar, you know, of people that are of interest to me, if that makes sense. And – You know, uh, there's people in real life that I like that I I, I might ask them to have a cocktail after the pandemic's over. You know, there's all kinds of situations, but the main one is, is that quarantine doesn't bring up, oh, I am lonely. I want to snuggle now. It brings up, we might not be able to really go live normal lives for two more years and I'm 45. I'm getting up there near the menopause. It's not an easy age to meet people. Maybe it'll get easier after the pandemic. I don't know. But, you know, my window of tolerance is very small. And a lot of it has to do with, like, certain beliefs and certain – you know, I don't want um, – it, it has to do with, like, age ranges that I find appropriate. I don't want younger people. I don't want people without steady work. I don't want people that are um, – laugh at spirituality. I don't want people that do a, a lot of dr- – do drugs at all. They can – weed's fine, but not smoking it. You know, there's all kind now – there's all kinds of things. You know what I mean? It's just like at this point in my life, I know how to live so well for myself. And I have, honestly, sometimes I feel like I'm complaining that I have too many friends, but I do have too many friends and I'm so lucky. But the thing is when you have a lot of friends, a lot of times people will just assume you're out with the other friends. And sometimes you're just completely chilling alone. I mean, outside of a pandemic, but anyway, Because all of my friends think, like, you have this other exciting life. And I'm like, no, I really don't. Like, I I have a lot of friends, but my main crew is my main crew. Anyway, I was telling my therapist, I don't like talking about being single on stage because it's not as funny when you're 35 and you just got divorced and you're going back out there and you don't want kids. That's funny. It has a positive bent to it. Although people misconstrued my special, I'm going to die alone and I feel fine all the time. Um the special was written when I was married and it was about how married people die alone because men die first. Like it's not about being sad or being single, but that's okay. You know, not a lot of people are, have any intellect or nuance. Um, so, oh fuck. I have to do this thing at seven and I just found out I have to be on 15 minutes before. This might be a short episode. I, I am, I'm pushed to the limit this week. Anyway, so i was saying to my therapist, I don't, I know that what's keeping me from meeting people outside of the pandemic is that I have this close off energy that's like, don't bother me about this. Just like I don't, I don't want to talk about it in my stand up. I don't want to talk about it on the podcast. I don't want to talk about it in life because I'm going to get pitied, and I don't want pity. Or people are going to misconstrue it and be like, she just loves swinging single. It's not that either. It's just like, yeah, there's just some things not lining up. There's been some bad luck. I went through a breakup. I took a lot of time off. I had to, I had to heal. Then I was available, but like, I don't do the apps. I refuse to. And so this is not a lot. And then you worked 14 hour days. It's like hard to catch up at my age and, and meet new people that aren't insane. You meet other people your age. Um, and you're like, Oh, there's a reason. So there's a reason this male comic in his forties is single. So I'm just saying that it's a complicated situation, it's a nuanced situation, and I am okay. I Again, it's not day to day. I'm like, boo-hoo, wish there was someone here. I am fine to dine all by myself. But if you said there will never be someone again the rest of your life, I'd be like, oh, well, that must somehow be my fault. I must have done something wrong to not, on the back end of life, gotten anything going. Like, oh, that. That's because it's society looks at you in a certain way. And so we all build up these defensive walls where we're like, I'm fine. Because the last thing we want is to be pitied, but we're going to be pitied anyway. So you might as well just let people pity you and then live your truth. If you're like, yeah, some days I really, you know, I have exes that are like the greatest people in the world. And when I realize that like ultimately like these people that I broke up with, they're now living the life I want but I didn't want to start it at 22. I wanted to just see what, I don't know. I just wanted to, it was funny, I had anxiety and panic and I couldn't go anywhere. I didn't like to travel, but I also just, there was a wanderlust in me. I have to go see, seek my fortune, just do something. Be, be you know. And then life started getting more fun and more fun. And then I got married and the fun was still going on. And I don't mean like boys, but it was just like travel and work and all this. And then as you get older and you're like, okay, I need to slow down, where is everybody? Oh, I'm interested in these top 10 activities. Oh, the only other people who are are married. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like there's been something interesting about this pandemic that the thing I do instead of having a family and a relationship is I travel and I work a lot, but you can't do either now. Um, I miss the personal travel. I really, I got to say, I don't miss stand-up. I know I've said that. Anyway, I am dreading hitting send on this podcast because I so inarticulately talked about being single in a pandemic. And I also hate the word single because it doesn't, there's a range of things when you're single, right? It doesn't mean I'm lonely. I have no one in mind. No one likes me. It could mean that. It, it could mean a million things, but it's a big tent. And I said this in my stand-up special. It's a big tent. So anyway, uh, and some people who've worked through their issues of having to have someone around all the time, you might be like, no, 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 it's just that when I'm single, I'm like, want to kill myself and it's so bad. I can't live without my spouse. I had to go through like intensive therapy to not feel that way about relationships because it was killing me. So now that I don't, I'm kind of like, all right, I get the point that they're extra niceness, but that thing of like, I can't live without someone. I can't do that. So Maybe that's why there's less motivation and and maybe that's why it doesn't kill me. but I do feel sometimes like uh, society looks at me weird and I hate that feeling. or like, what's wrong with her? And it's like, yeah, there's things wrong with me is obviously why um, that I do you know what I mean? It's not like there's things, there's th- wrong things wrong with my married friends too, but like yeah, there's things wrong. I made mistakes that led me to be single at this age oh, well, I'd love to put out an announcement that um, I'm not a stressed out freak in a relationship, but, you know, it's hard to have people believe that when that's like your comedy persona. It's kind of what the podcast is because my podcast for me is here's the worst thought I've thought today. I'm going to tell you guys because I think you guys have thought it too, but it can give the sense that that's how I walk around all the time right? That I'm always like Larry Daviding it up like this person. That, and it's like, it's not, it's those fleeting moments that I put in on Instagram story. This person's not wearing a mask or rant on a podcast, but it's not that it's a performance in that it's fake, but it's, it's heightened. It's taking everybody's worst anxieties and fears and talking about them and saying, I have them too. And then performing around that, you know? And so I do think that the one thing that I don't do is explore comedically the frustrations I have with specifically not being in a relationship at age forty five. It's not global. It's very age specific. And yeah, it's just interesting. Like Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna work on stuff around it because I I mean I have to work on like st- being vulnerable enough to talk about it, it's very interesting for me, who's shouting her life from the mountaintops all the time, like this subject recently, in the last two years, I'm like, I don't want to joke about it, I don't want to talk about it, I don't want to anything about it publicly, just explore in therapy this, that, and the other, and so once I hit a few more peaks in therapy, um, and I do talk about comedy in therapy, you know, I, I think I can learn to make it comedic, um, and I think when I open up that way, it will shift a lot inside me. So because right now I don't, it's like hard for me to get my own opinion about how I feel wrangled because all I do is think about how others are judging me. Isn't that interesting? I really worry about that, how other people are judging me. Um, you know, maybe not the listeners of this podcast per se, but you know, people in life or just how uncomfortable it can be to you know, be be solo in a in a world of people that usually aren't traveling solo if you're at a party for some reason or whatever. And people want to talk to you about it, but they want to talk to you about it in their way. So it gets all like goofy and dating and sex. And it's like, hey, actually, this is a big topic for me. If you want to have a deep conversation, we can take a corner at the party or we can meet for coffee. But yeah, I'm not like a um, little toy. You my, my single status isn't like a toy you can play with at the party. It's not it's not interesting to me. It's actually, if I went up to married people at parties and went, oh my God, tell, so like, what do you guys fight about? Like, tell me about, no, just like tell me those days when you wake up and you look at your partner and you're like, what have I done? Oh my God, you know, we're, we're, we're going through this hard time. Like single people are also people and we go through our own things with ourselves. And so those aren't the things we want to talk about at a party. Just like if you're married, you don't want to talk about the inner darkest working depths of your marriage. Um, so there you go. All right. Well, I don't know how I got stuck on that fucking topic. It was something from Kate Hudson. Okay. So Kate Hudson's family. Oh, that was my point is I'm not being defensive when I say this, but if someone said you have a choice, the partner of your dreams and you guys are in quarantine or you're from kind of a celeb family and you have kids already from your five other husbands and, and in this scenario, I'm okay with having kids and you live in one of your, you no, know, it's like, should we um, quarantine in the Aspen house or the Los Angeles one? Let's do Aspen because it's going to get hot in LA. You're right. You're right. And we can do everything from Aspen. We can Zoom. We can Skype. Oh my God, you name it. Instagram live. We got this. We got this, Hudsons. So I'd rather be there with like my mom, the stepdad, my brother, my sister, whoever, And then my kids, like, it's just a one big, crazy, happy thing. And there's stuff to do. But like, when it's just you and your partner, it's not like it's a honeymoon the whole time. And you're just like, now we're getting, you know, to the point where we're tired of each other. Or you hear them on a Zoom meeting and you're like, ugh, shut up. You know, I don't think couples should be together that closely that often. So, I mean, I don't mean that often, but there's just something about it that I think, I I would rather the other thing. So I was like, yeah, where's my big family to quarantine with, you know? And because my niece was saying that Kate Hudson was being funny on this thing or getting annoyed with someone. And then it reminded me of one of my favorite stories. When I was mistaken for Kate Hudson and I got yelled at by a woman who claimed that I was trying to fool people. Okay, so this this story has 19 disclaimers. I may have told it at one point a long time ago, but it would have been a long time ago. My friend uh Allison, who has been on this podcast, it's probably been a couple of years, but we used to do advice episodes together. Allison was with me when this happened. I'm going to have to ask her if she remembers. So, here's what happened. Now, by the way, I don't I know I'm naming a gorgeous movie star and going <laughs> people think I'm her. I'm not saying that I look like her. I had never thought about it in my life. And then I've seen some pictures of her where I'm like, oh, I see. There's certain body parts where it's like a mouth thing or profile thing. You know, the big one people always say, especially when my hair is darker, is like Winona Ryder. But there's there's a Drew Barrymore, Kate Hudson vibe that comes out in my profile. And please don't think I'm bragging. I swear to God, I'm not like, anyway, this episode is about um, my, my beauty that I don't think that at all. In fact, uh, I'm very vain. I have a ring light on so that the lighting looks nice. And most days I'm just looking in the mirror going, oh, he's such a weird looking person as we all do. Right. But when I'm on camera, I'm like, Hey, I look pretty good. But then in real life, I look at myself and I'm like, "Ugh." Okay, disclaimers out of the way. You're not like, this one star, first of all, she thinks she, you know, that whole thing. What am I going to do? Why don't I live for those people? Why don't I live for you people that are here with me now? If you're like, what is a ring light? You got to join my Patreon. Oh, my God. You're going to see me in my overalls. You can see my home office. You can see my glowing skin because of this ring light, which you can probably get for 20 bucks on Amazon or wherever you get things. And don't overstress the workers right now though, of course, but patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman, literally, literally five bucks a month would be fucking amazing. 60 bucks a year for you. Now imagine if thousands of people do that for me. I don't have to stress. Okay, great. So support the art you want to see. I promise you if I was rich, I would not be doing this. I would tell you. I would tell you I'm so rich. I'm going to do nothing. So anyway. I think there's two kinds of people. There's, There's like the Dane Cooks of the world. And his fans just like love him so much. They're like, here's more money. Louis C.K., here's more money. But there's something with the crowd I've attracted, minus all of you on my Patreon, that are just like, she's fine. I don't need to help out. Or like, you know what? I don't like to pay for this. You know, it's it's weird. I don't mean to complain. Everything's good. Okay, good. So Kate Hudson, fun story, fun story. So again, I don't think I look like her. Now, maybe in 2000, the year 2000, zero, zero, party over, oops, out of time, 2000. I'm doing a show at this place called the Comedy Central Workspace. Nope, that wasn't the name of it. I don't remember the name, but it was in New York City and like the building had a different name, but we, it was, and maybe it was called that. There's one in LA as well. Anyway, this comedy producer named Lou, um, he ran the show and then after the show and not, he didn't say this in a creepy way. He was like, he's like, I was watching you from the stage. I was like, she looks like Kate Hudson. I was like, no, I don't. And I was like, I don't even know who that is really. And then I think Almost Famous came out a year or two later. After that because I remember my friend Aaron Foley was in it. I was so jealous. I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna be in a movie. Mark Marin was in it too. Anyway, so I didn't think anything of it again. No one ever said it to me again uh, until maybe I, this could have been anywhere from 2004 to 2000 I think it was like early like 2004, 2005. So my friend Allison was in town. And she had this job where she had this, things were expensed when she would travel. And she could expense anything. And so those were the days. So we went to a fancy kind of bar in Beverly Hills or something. Maybe it was like the bar of one of the hotels, like a Four Seasons, something. I don't know. It was something to do with her job. And she was staying somewhere fancy and she could write off the drinks or something. Or she could, you know, charge them to her boss or something. So we're, we're at this fancy thing. We're at this little cocktail table. And now I don't remember who anyone is ever. And I'm at the stage of my career where I'm doing shows every night, going on auditions, running around. I meet so many people all the time. And I'm a few drinks in, so I'm a little bit like, wait, what? What's going on? And, yeah, this was earlier 2000s because I had this, like, kind of bleachy blonde hair because I was going to um, – it's kind of like what my hair is like now because I just did my own highlights and I'm like, whoops, I blonded it up too much. But I went to, you know, those student hairdressers that were $15 for color and cut in Glendale. So I went there and they were just like, here's some bleach. And so it's kind of like looked like maybe a messy surfer girl. It wasn't a bad look, but it was just definitely now um, a fancy hairdresser would be like, you need a toner on that. But honestly, I don't like, listen, I don't mind looking... Kind of weird and messy. So, I'm there with my friend. Yeah, no wonder I'm excited about the free drinks at the fancy place because I'm getting fifteen dollar haircuts because I'm a broke temp at that point. So, <clears throat> I'm sitting there. Let's just say it, at the Four Seasons, this woman comes over to me. I can't even remember this woman. If you pay me, but probably in her thirties, some kind of industry woman, or maybe um, no, it was no, 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 because she wasn't fancy herself. She was. Maybe a photographer or a makeup artist, like something in that realm, um, you know, still getting her, I was going to say boots on the ground or her accolades, neither are the correct expression, but still getting her feet wet in the business is what I'm trying to say. So, okay, so this girl comes up to me, again, as I've disclaimered, I don't, I don't know at this point that she thinks I'm Kate Hudson. I just think she thinks it's me and that we've met. I'm not a known person yet. So it truly must've been someone I met at some kind of audition or open mic or something. And now I'm drunk. And so I don't, I really don't have my motor skills going. Right. So she comes over, she goes, hi. And I go, Hey. And I go, I forget your name. I'm so sorry. And she's like, Oh, that's okay. It's Julie. I'm like, Oh, Hey, Julie. And I'm like, I'm like, well, maybe if I talk to her more, I'll figure out how I know her because now it'll just be absurd if I say, and how do I know you, you know? And she's like, it was just so great getting to work together last week. And I was like, yeah. And now I'm like, okay, okay. Comedian, must be a comedian. And I just heard some gossip about me. It's funny because the girl who said it, I think ended up getting sober years later. So I think she was just drunk and and, um, kind of feeling bad about herself. So this one time... I heard that another comedian had said I was a snob at stand-up shows, and I, I'm not. I just write on stage. So right before, I'm I'm by myself writing my notes, and then after, I usually feel bad, and I kind of leave, or I stay, but I feel really shy after performing. So I just kind of don't look at anyone. So but she took it as that like I was a snob. Um, she took it personally, and so it got back to me. And so like that had just been in my head that I am a snob at comedy, and I don't know who people are, and I'm rude. And so this woman going, hi, so good to work together. I'm like, T- this is the moment that I will turn around this image of me as the snob. And she goes, so good working together. She goes, so, um, you know, remember, it was something like she was following up. Now, you know, looking back on it, I think she probably said to Kate, like, oh, I'd love to photograph you or do your hair again or something where she was kind of hustling and she was following up with me slash Kate at the Four Seasons, which, by the way, would not be at all fucking professional to do, you know? But she was like, and you had my business card, right? And I'm like, I had her business card. I don't fucking know. I'm like, I think so, yeah. And she's like, because I'd really love to follow up on an opportunity. Like, now she's getting vulnerable. And then something happens where maybe the waitress comes and – asks if I want another and we have a longer conversation that reveals more of my voice and she sees me. Maybe I sit back and the lighting's different. I don't know. But I just remember as the waitress crossed off with my empty glass and walked away, this girl stood up from her crouch position and was like, you're not Kate Hudson. I go, No, I'm not. And she goes, why were you pretending to be? Oh my God, that is so embarrassing for you. And just like went off on me. And she was like, I said, you didn't come up to me and say, hey, Kate Hudson. You said, hey, and I didn't know your name. She goes, that's why I thought you were. And I go, okay, but I didn't know that. She goes, I'm sure I said it. I'm sure I said, hey, Kate, when I came over. I was like, you really didn't, or I didn't hear you. But even if you did, I would assume... Oh, you mean me, but you got my name wrong. You said Kate. I would never be like, she must mean Kate Hudson. She goes, well, this must happen to you all the time. I go, never. I go, once someone mentioned it like five years ago, but no, it never happens. And she's like, well, well, I just think it's really shitty. Like, just kept going off. And I was like, okay, bye. It's not the world's greatest story, but I was so embarrassed after that because then she went back to her table whispering with her friends. They're all pointing at me. I'm like, I didn't pretend I was anybody. And by the way, you're doing something very unprofessional in this pre Instagram era. No one wants your business card. No one wants to have to carry around a business card. See, we didn't know back then, you guys. We didn't know. We thought business cards were cool and fun. I'm going to get business cards made up. Here's my card. Here's your card. Everybody get a card. And you do the same thing you do with numbers in your phone. Who is this? What? Why? And you look at your cards. I don't know what this is. I don't know We used to think it was fun to carry on business cards. That's how deprived we were of any sense of reality, that it wasn't annoying to hand someone something and go, now you have to have this all night, you know? I know there's like a Mitch Hedberg joke that's like, here, you throw this away. It's a flyer. I get it. Okay. Anytime I say anything, young guys are like, that's an episode of The Simpsons. I'm like, The Simpsons is a TV show written by humans. Humans Get their ideas for TV shows based on things that happen to them. So, actually, it's not a thing that happened on The Simpsons. It's a thing that happens in real life. And the real life writers who are my age put it in the show. Thank you. Okay. Why is she such a cunt? I'm in quarantine and I have PMS. So, Madonna has the antibodies for coronavirus. And I was uh, laying in bed last night, just looking at Instagram, and I saw that. Somebody, I think it was this website called The Cut, they had posted a picture of Madonna from the 90s and said that she was recently tested for the antibodies of Corona, which means, yes, the rich bitch got herself a coronavirus test, but that's okay. I want Madonna to have a coronavirus antibodies test before everybody else. What what have you done for the world? Did you, did you bring Vogue to the mainstream? I know a lot of people are mad at her for that. Um... But my point is, the comment section was so awful, I couldn't believe it. I was like, y'all, stop. Why are you going to be so terrible? So here it is. Um, hang on one second. I have to return a text. Yes, I thought I wrote back, but I probably forgot. OK. Um, OK. Madonna, the 61 year old singer, shared in her latest Quarantine Day Diary video on Instagram that a test found the presence of proteins produced by the immune system in response to coronavirus. Took a test the other day and I found out that I have the antibodies. So tomorrow I'm just going to go for a long drive in a car and I'm going to roll down the window, and I'm going to breathe in. I'm going to breathe in the COVID-19 air. Yep, I hope the sun is shining. Now, this is her trying to be funny. It's a failed attempt. Anyway, that there have been questions about whether having antibodies gives people immunity to the coronavirus. We don't know enough yet. Don't get a false sense of security, say doctors. There's not enough evidence yet. World Health Organization doctors are saying that people who have recovered from COVID 19 are protected from reinfection. Just because there's no evidence doesn't mean there's no immunity. Um, it just means the studies haven't been done. So, there you go. I know everyone was very mad at her. I'm going to go to her, the Instagram and find it. Um, but people were like, oh, she would have them. Like, what did she pay for them? <laughs> like, why is everybody so crazy? Um, it's probably because she's touring all the time. And, you know, that's just, I mean, I might have them too. I like to compare myself to Madonna. Why are you pretending you're Madonna? My friends and I thought you were. Oh, forget it. I can't get on this fucking Instagram on my computer. What am I? Why didn't I prepare the comments earlier? But how about this? Oh, here it is. Everyone's like, Yay, we're waiting for your show. My queen, I love these posts. I love you. But on the website that did it, it was all horrible. I hope she didn't look at that other website. Anyway, that's not a good story. Listen, guys, I'm I'm struggling today. I'm not I'm not having a lot of thoughts in my head. What what I've really been into, and actually I lost the love for that, but I was really into setting my phone. As a camera and positioning it like out my living room window where there's all this nice light and these really big windows and i just put all these candles around it and pillows and it would you know the yule log for people that don't have a fireplace on tv every year you can actually buy it on itunes for 3.99 now they have it on netflix uh hallmark channel does it theirs has puppies running around It's just eight hours of a log burning in a fireplace and you can put it on your TV and it looks like you have a fireplace and then they play Christmas carols. So I was like, I'm your chill log. You know, I, I was just me at my computer, but I was making up the set list as I went along and I wasn't taking requests. I would play a song like, oh, well this, this vibe, oh, this song has a similar kind of instrument in it. So I'll play that one next. It was just, it was exciting for me. It was fun. It was really good to focus my mind. Good for anxiety, good for ADHD And I started doing like three hours a night. I did last Tuesday, last Wednesday. And then I did one on Friday. I did uh, working from home on my deck, writing a script like beach music. And then I did another one at sunset that was like sunset music. And so... People were great, but, you know, people, of course, you know what it is, it's Instagram Live. I don't know why I'm acting like I need to control and manage this. But, you know, just like dudes making creepy comments or people being like, what is this? Is this comedy? Is this performance? Or this is boring. And I'd put a pinned thing like, consider this a Yule log. I was, I was trying to find a creative way to give people, like, um, music they can listen to. And you guys get to comment with each other. And people were making friends. So anyway, but if you're a Patreon subscriber, I'm going to do a live chat. I'll probably do one a month because I can't do the celebrity interviews anymore right now. And I don't want to do like shitty Zoom ones until I can really get it good. And I have zero time to figure it out. So I'm going to do a live chat where you guys can ask me anything. And um, I'm using the Crowdcast website for it. And so I'm going to do one in May, but I'm going to Uh, If you are a Patreon subscriber, patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman, I will put up a post asking, you know, I'm thinking like a Sunday morning might be good because it's the next day in Australia and it's nighttime in Europe. So I don't know if that would work. I know most of my listeners are in, uh, you know, Canada and United States, and usually most are on the East Coast. So I thought like Sunday morning coffee with Jen, but it might be the afternoon for you or something like that. Um, If I do a nighttime one, I could do that as well, but for certain places, it's going to be the middle of the night. But I think with Crowdcast, it lets you save it for a while, but I know the point is to be live with me. So I'm just going to figure out the right time. Maybe I'll do all different kinds of times uh, every month. I don't know. But my weird thing is making these playlists, but you can't play like a Beatles song or Prince or the brand new Black Eyed Peas. That's not a thing. Because Instagram Live does have these little invisible things going around trying to pick up copyright infringement. And so they'll just shut off your broadcast if you're playing music that's not allowed. And it's it's less obvious to find like the cover of a Bossa Nova song done by a French guy, you know. So it's that there's vibey stuff, there's cool stuff, there's typical stuff that you're like, oh, I've heard this. This is, I was, you know, like, I've heard this song a million times, but I had a lot of younger people, like millennials going, I don't know anything about music. I love this. And it was like, for a minute, I got to be the cool neighbor or the older sister that's like, this is the music you should get into. So anyway, um, here's the deal. So, oh, I'll read this article in a minute. I'll, I'll read it at the end. So, When we were talking a couple weeks ago about calling Collect, and I remembered this other thing that I was obsessed with. We had to do a project in fifth grade, so it's 10 years old, where we each took, I mean, I don't think there were 50 of us. Were there? Well, we were learning that. I think there were 50 of us when you combined all of the fifth grade classes in our school. Anyway, we were each assigned a state, or we had to pick a state and do a report on them. But we had to dress up like the state, and then we had to make these little floats. You know, you get your red rider, what the fuck it is, wagon, and then you build something around it. And so my float was Hawaii. And I want to say, I might be wrong. I might be confusing my life with the Brady Bunch. I want to say I made a volcano, but I doubt I did because I wouldn't have made one like Peter Brady with it exploding. Can I tell you guys, I literally walk by the Brady Bunch house every day and I stare at it like a psycho, just staring, just hoping that I can will myself back into the 70s late 60s, early 70s, back into a fiction and just watch Bobby Brady explode the volcano and have Marsha with her booster club. To this day, I still don't know what the fuck a booster club is. I mean, I can look it up, but who who needs that? And uh, they get lava all over them. I mean, I just feel like I'm going to look over the backyard and see that. That's how they're going to take me away, where I'm just like, no, and I'm sleeping in Tiger's doghouse, and they're like, this woman has not gotten off the property. And I'm like, I'm their long-lost cousin. So I was obsessed with Hawaii. Who wouldn't be? Tropical, mysterious, a newer state. Come on, people. And so what we did was, I think it was called the, it's not the Better Business Bureau, but it was the, um, oh my God, whatever the word is for your state or city that sends you brochures about that state or city. You just, you know, if you're oh, I don't remember what it's called. I keep wanting to say Better Business Bureau, but it's not it. This will plague me. So I um, contacted whatever that place is in Hawaii, probably the main island. And I said, I'm doing a book report on Hawaii. Could you send me some information? And they did. And I didn't have to lie and be like, I might be staying there. You know, or put on a deep voice like, Hello, this is Matilda Rich Lady. I want all of your finest brochures. You could just call up. You know, it was just like that's what a website used to be. You make a call, your mom lets you call long distance for sixty hurry up, Jim. That says long distance, just tell them your address. And I would say, I'm do I need brochures. And I got in the mail, you know, I don't know how long we had to do this project, but apparently it was enough that I could wait for a snail mail. And I got in the mail a giant manila envelope with brochure after brochure of these, you know, hikes you can do and mountains and hotels you can stay in and attractions and come see this luau and this show. And I was like, oh, this is from Hawaii. I can smell it. And I put a flower behind my ear and I wore a lei around my neck and I wore a grass skirt, motherfuckers. I had shorts underneath. Not, I don't know what my, probably just a t-shirt on top. And And I held a pineapple. I was so excited. It was the greatest thing ever. I don't know if people were blown away by it or not. I think I was more into the outfit than like actually, anytime we had to do anything physical, like make something, I suck at the art of doing things with my hands. I think I'm good visually. I like to set a scene and set a environment. I like to create a mood. But anything physical that I have to do with my hands, I give up in one second, and it's always terrible. Pottery class, I mean, just looks like a mound of mud with a hole in the top. I'm like, I made a piggy bank. And I remember I made a piggy bank. And they're like, you didn't make a bottom to put the plastic thing in so you can get the money out. I was like, oh, I always see in cartoons, they smash it with a hammer. No, I should, oh, okay. Um, you know, so I-, I wasn't very talented. When I had to make, uh, I think, some kind of Indian reservation, forgive me, sorry, but that's what we said, unfortunately, back then. Some kind of thing, Native American reservation. I just made some kind of, I used broccoli as trees or did some kind of colonial thing. Maybe it wasn't a reservation. It was some colonial setting or like the first Thanksgiving. I don't know. I had to make it out of whatever you had. I don't even know. Just go make that physically. Why? What is it? How is, please explain to me how that will get me ahead in the job marketplace. Uh, Miss Kirkman. Can you put together a diorama of the first Thanksgiving? Now, mind you, not the real one. The fake one we teach kids at school with the pilgrims and the Indians. They give them corn and everyone's happy. Can you do a diorama of that? Oh, I'm better at the Boston Tea Party because then I can just get those tea bags. Oh, Miss Kirkman, that is too easy. Uh, Nope, we're going to have to hire someone who can make a diorama of the first Thanksgiving. Well, I did use broccoli for trees. You know, that is quite uh, impressive, but... You know, it's gonna start to smell after a while. And I think you use steamed broccoli and you can't really glue steamed broccoli to a piece of cardboard, can you? No, sir, I can't. Well, I'm I'm so sorry I can't be a lawyer in your firm. You know, when when I laughed at this assignment in in elementary school, I thought, well, there's no way they could be right that I'm gonna need this skill someday. And and here I am totally wrong about it. So my bad, my bad, my bad. Um anyway, two recommendations really quick. I think I've recommended this before, but There's a wonderful documentary called Thundersoul. So when I was but a lonely temp, a lowly temp, one of my jobs, well, it wasn't even temp, it was freelance. One of my jobs, because I typed 99 words a minute with accuracy, blah, 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 I was a transcriber. So I would go pick up tapes, cassette tapes, all kinds of tapes. I had the little pedal, the machine to slow it down. God, it used to be so difficult. Like back in the day. If I wanted to, let's say there was a magazine editor who interviewed someone. She would hand me a cassette tape, and then I would have to listen to it at full talking volume and keep pausing and rewind. That was my job. And now you could just record someone on your iPhone, and then you could slow it down by half and listen to it and transcribe. You used to have to buy this machine that had a pedal, and you'd put the tape in somewhere else, and then hook that thing up to the pedal, and you could do the pedal to do stop and start and to slow down. I mean, I think they still have that because transcribing is really a job, especially people that do it in real time for closed captioning. But anyway, I was transcribing the audio of the interviews, you know, when you watch a documentary, all the talking had interviews of people that were talking about this group called the Kashmir Stage Band, spelled with a K, and Kashmir is a town in Texas, and it was a stage band, which back in the day, kids would, you know, the band at school, not like rock and roll, but horns, and it was um, this amazing band run by this guy who really whipped them into shape and turned these kids into amazing musicians. Like, when you hear this, you're not going to believe it, and a a lot of their, and it was also a very interesting thing because there was a a poorer town. It was a black town and they were competing against white kids at all these band things. And then the whole town came together and everyone's grades started going up and people were sewing costumes and they became so dapper looking. It was unbelievable. Like the outfits were amazing and they were getting on the charts. Like they were huge. And then, um, you know, it went away. They all got older. And if you're like a DJ who's going through records trying to find cool samples, a lot of people use Cashmere Stage Band. So anyway, as I was transcribing these interviews, I was like, "This is amazing! This is going to be the greatest documentary." And I was doing that transcription maybe 2004, and it came out finally in in 2011, I think, or four years ago. Um, So anyway, it's on. uh, I think you can buy it on iTunes, and it might even be on Amazon Prime. But it's called Thunder Soul. So it's about all the people that are now adults coming back to Cashmere and trying to relearn the songs. But it's also about you know, how they kind of took over the world. So this is this is teenagers. Oh my God, it's so good. You gotta get it. You know, what a fun fact about me is uh, in college, while I was out of college and he was still senior year, woo-hoo, uh, when I was living in Boston, my ex-boyfriend was not a professional drummer, but he liked to drum. And I love drums and I love anything funky. And so we'd always go to um, this jazz club called Wally's. And I'm sure everyone there was like, get these white kids out of here. But our friend Adam um, who ended up, who was like a teen prodigy. He went on the road with Earth, Wind & Fire as their drummer. Like, you can look up videos of this guy, Adam Deitch. He's like genius drummer. But Adam would sit in with like the old jazz guys, and my boyfriend and I would go, and we'd be those annoying people that are like laughing at, at jazz because I really do love all that kind of music and funk and soul. And I do see when the musicians are having fun. And I swear all that stuff is anytime I just saw people on stage having fun, it was never comedy. Those people always looked tortured to me. It was always musicians, you know, but I was one of those annoying people that was like, oh, like laughing at a drum thing. Did you not know this about me? You didn't. You like me a little less. Um, And then I'm also going to recommend one of my favorite books that I just haven't read in a long time because I read it when it came out. Whether you are a fan of George Carlin or not, I think you will love his daughter, Kelly Carlin's book. She's genius. Um... She's, you know, a writer, actress, producer, radio host. She has a great book called um, A Carlin Home Companion, and it's called Growing Up with George Carlin, and it's beautiful, and it's about their relationship, his relationship with his wife. It's like a beautiful love story of family. It's a beautiful romantic love story about George and his wife, um, and it's about comedy, and it's about drugs and life and... It's really poignant and beautiful. I think everyone will get something out of it. So I highly recommend a Carlin Home Companion growing up with George. I promise you, um, you don't have to know anything about George Carlin. And you should get into Kelly because she's really, really cool and smart. Anyway, so I got to get going to go do this thing. And I need to text the person and tell them right now that I'm about to be late. Shit, I can log on in about six minutes. Sorry. Okay, so... I, I am not going to do this again. I'm doing some online comedy show, but it's like a game show, so I was like, fine, I'll do it. But this is too much nonsense. Anyway. Well, I got to everything I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about spontaneous combustion, but I think I need to look into it more. It was just that it used to scare me as a kid, and I want to read about it and find out, like, how real it is. Um, and I was also reading a really scary thread on Twitter by people who just, like, lost objects that they never found them again. And uh, so I, I might talk about that. But let's end on an article. Jen Kirkman reads to you. So here's the ways you can support me in quarantine. I'll tell you the worst ways to support me. Buying my merch and buying my books, I will not see that money. The merch I get, like, not a percentage, really. And the books... You'd have to, 5,000 people Would have to buy them For me to see anything But a really great way To support me Is to buy my album Just Keep Living You can buy it On A Special Thing Records The link will be In the iTunes description And um, you get a free poster With that And we split that money Exactly myself And the awesome Small record label That I work with You can buy my comedy album Called I'm Gonna Die Alone And I Feel Fine Buy that on iTunes That helps And then of course Support this podcast Patreon.com Slash Jen Kirkman even the $5 a month one is great. You will love it. And uh, imagine, imagine if hundreds of people did that. Imagine all the people. All right. So I think I've plugged everything. Send me an email if you want to hear about a topic. I seem fun at gmail.com. If you're a guy and you use it to hit on me and I tell you not to, don't write me back. I'll butt hurt. Like, well, okay, no wonder you don't have any fans. Don't do that. That happens every day. Um, what else can I tell you? Follow me on Instagram. I'm doing some fun stuff there at Jen Kirkman. Really, not on Twitter that much because it makes me angry. And so, let's do it. Let's do it. Comparison culture. Comparison culture. It's not good. It's not good. Here we go. Shit, I really gotta go. Okay. Comparison culture is worse than ever during lockdown. Why? This is on stylist.co.uk. It's Monday morning. Outside, the sun is shining. You roll over in bed, unplug your phone, and open Instagram. Scrolling through your feed, you notice one of the influencers you follow has posted a picture of their newly baked banana bread. Lockdown life. Clicking on their profile, you find yourself absentmindedly scrolling through their quarantine adventures. On Sunday, they ran a 5K at 8 a.m. Last Tuesday, they spent their day taking online courses. In spare time, they organized their wardrobe, blah, 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 blah. Cut their boyfriend's hair. There is, of course... Nothing wrong with this. You're happy they're coping so well. Seeing other people get on with things and work towards their goals is a welcome reminder that life goes on. Now, here's my thing. If you're following an influencer, that's their job, though, to try all different things and and present a lifestyle. Like, if you're still getting bummed at influencers, you ain't living correctly. But at the same time, there's a creeping feeling of discomfort bubbling in in your chest. Why haven't your family had a quiz yet? How come you've managed to fit so many things into their days? I can't even read because this article is so stupid. Why didn't you start an online course? The impulse to compare ourselves to others. Now, this is the heart of it. It's, it's not unfamiliar to us. In the age of social media, we become accustomed to this kind of behavior. It's commonly known as comparison culture. The urge to analyze the minute details of the people around us has loomed over our lives for some time now, damaging our self-esteem and placing a strain on our mental health. But what is new and perhaps most worrying is how often we're doing it now that we're in lockdown. The coronavirus has given us a brand new lease of life when it comes to comparing every detail of our personal lives to those we see on our screens. I can't get through this article. It's so stupid. I mean, if people are doing that, you just don't do it. I don't know. I'm in therapy and sometimes the answer is just don't do it. Don't do it. Relax. Go to it. Is it go to it? I don't know. I got to go do this internet thing. Worst episode ever. Until next week, have fun.